Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I'm honored to be joined by my friend, Stephen Barnes, Associate Vice President for Development at Duke Health. How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, I'm so good to see you this morning and, and have an opportunity to talk with you about such an important topic. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So today, our topic is purposeful mentorship. You know, uh, Duke Advancement has long been a leader in in raising transformational gifts that have shaped the mission and vision of the university. I mean, truly one of the best shots out there. I can think of a personal friend that I grew up with and, uh, you know, who grew up rather in North Carolina and uh, she grew up in a, you know, in a, in a poor family, I would say, and there was no way for her to be able to get an education, let alone a Duke education without the generosity of uh, alumni and friends of Duke University. And so she went to Duke undergrad, grad, med, and I mean, uh, now one of the most successful, uh, you know, fertility doctors, uh, you know, in the country. And when you talk, when I talk to her, oftentimes talks about how Duke meant so much to her because without Duke, she wouldn't be where she is. And she volunteers to, uh, help the admission team and screening applicants and things like that. None of that would have happened without the wonderful professionals that you have uh, over there at Duke. I mean, literally, her life story wouldn't have happened without the work that advancement professionals like you do over at Duke. So with that, um, to to be the best, as you know, you have to attract the best and you have to retain the best. So from that perspective, Let's talk about programs that you have in place to mentor advancement professionals at Duke Health. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that introduction. We are very fortunate to to have a very strong institution here with a a strong culture as well, which um, I've been very impressed with the importance of that our leadership has placed on its people. And uh, certainly mentorship, is, is part of that. And so within our shop, within Duke Health Development and Alumni Affairs, we have, we have two programs uh, as part of our overall focus on our people. And one of, one of those programs is a buddy program. Um, so for any new hire that comes within our shop, we match them up with a buddy uh, for their first 90 days. And this is someone who is outside of their immediate work group um, who can just help them with informal um, um, uh, informal understandings of of the office, of the campus, the inner workings of of, uh, Duke, or even sort of the local community. So it can be anything from um, showing your buddy where where the work supplies are to uh, who, who's, who's the best hairdresser in town, 
right? <laughs> so, yeah. So it's hey, just, th those are important it's, things. <laughs> those are important things. Um, so it's it's more of an informal relationship, and it's a a way to connect with someone outside of your immediate team um, to help you get acclimated to the organization. Um, a more formal relationship is through our mentoring program. Um, and that program is a program which we have established. Um, it's a five month commitment between mentor and mentee. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a great opportunity for uh, mentees to connect with a mentor within the organization um, who, is, uh, who, who would like to know additional insight, receive advice, learn about new opportunities, um, really navigate um, as they think about their career growth and potential. Um, and I think for the mentor, it's helpful because it's a great opportunity to give back and to become a better leader and refine their own skills. So really a mutually beneficial opportunity through our more formal mentorship program. So how do you, how do you determine, uh, you know, say, I'm coming in, I'm in annual giving, how do you determine who is the appropriate uh, buddy, so to speak, uh, in, the, in the informal sense? Yeah, so for the buddy program, the hiring manager uh, is responsible for identifying who the buddy will be for their new hire. And um, again, the, the hiring manager is looking for someone outside of their immediate team who may have a similar role, or who may just be an enthusiastic colleague who um, enjoys um, welcoming new team members. So it's really at the discretion of the hiring manager to determine who the buddy will be for the new hire. For the, for the mentoring program, yeah. uh, we, ha we actually have a committee. And uh, uh, as part of the uh, kickoff to each session of the mentoring program, we ask that folks fill out applications. So um, if you're signing up to be a mentee, you, you, you sort of desert, you sort of check off uh, what areas you're interested in learning more about. So it may be you're interested in learning about management skills. Um, right. So you note that. You may uh, want to know about communications, other areas of advancement, such as uh, prospect development, fundraising, yeah. mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> maybe work-life balance, right? Yes, um, yep. So you will just sort of note all the different areas you're interested in. We do the same process for those who are interested in being mentors. And then the committee plays matchmaker um, based, oh, on, nice. based on the areas of interest that both, that both the mentor and the mentee have. Uh, there are some individuals who come to the program um, with special requests. So uh, we may have um, someone who comes in and says, you know what, I really, really am impressed with that Kim guy. And I, I want to be matched with him because I want to learn all his tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we also look at those special requests and try to accommodate those as well. No, that, that, that is really key. I mean, I, I like the fact that you're having, uh, you know, a committee so you're removing that human factor where somebody may be biased towards a certain person. Yeah, I want to work with them because I like them. And you're focusing more on the core competency, uh, you know, sort of uh, matchmaking. And uh, I think oftentimes 
we succumb to that. Hey, I like Steven. So I want to be mentored by Steven because I like him. Or I like Jane. Jane is uh, is cool. I want to be with him. But Jane may not necessarily be the best person for you. Maybe Steven is the best person for you because his trajectory, where he is and what he's trying to do is what exactly you're trying to do. And so it makes sense for you all to to get together and uh, and, and be able to do that. So as, as you're, uh, in, in, you know, you've been doing this for a while now, uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from years of executing these programs that you would advise others to consider when they're thinking about putting together a mentor a mentoring program? Because, you know, you hear, yes, we've got a 12-week program. It works great. People are happy, this and that. And we don't talk about the fact that maybe we do all that, but yet people still leave, which you can't control, or people are not uh, satisfied with being part of the organization because something is missing. Something does not feel authentic or genuine. So what are some of the key uh, lessons that you can share with folks? Well, I think um, to have a successful program, I think it's important for uh, the mentor and the mentee to have a, a mentorship plan. Um, I think that is, that's important. Um, and I think crucial elements of the plan are identifying frequency by which you're meeting, you know, what is that, that, uh, uh, what are the, when would you like to schedule those conversations? Are they in person? Are they virtual? Um, are they in the office? Are they over coffee? Um, I think it's also helpful as part of your plan to, to, uh, to prepare an agenda, to, to have an idea, an outline of what, what you're gonna talk about that, that day. Um, be very intentional about the conversation and how you best uh, maximize your time together. Um, we, as part of our mentorship program, we give um, the mentor and mentee a, a mentorship kit. And it really is helpful and setting a framework and how to have a successful mentorship relationship. And within that toolkit, um, we, we have some suggestions on how to, to go about uh, building for the, a healthy uh, uh, relationship in the mentorship realm. Um, I think it's also helpful to think about short-term and long-term goals um, as part of the conversation. I'm, I'm big right. on measurable outcomes. So, Absolutely. Uh, so when we start this conversation and this relationship, when we look five months down the line, what are some things we want to be able to say we've accomplished as a result of, of this relationship? So um, I, think, I think the biggest piece of advice I would get, give would be have a plan and be very intentional about um, what you would like to have as a takeaway from, from that uh, mutually beneficial relationship. Now, do you have uh, a space you provide where the participants, uh, the, the new team members or where participating in that mentorship program can give you feedback and say, uh, you know, you ask them what worked, what didn't work, uh, what could we do differently? Do you provide that platform? We do. So at the end of the five month mentorship program, we issue an evaluation and it's an opportunity for both the mentor and mentee to provide feedback. What went well, what didn't go well, um, perhaps advice for uh, future programs and, and, you know, advice for the toolkit that we provide, you know, to make sure, again, everyone has a 
a baseline of understanding to help them with uh, with the program. So that feedback and being able to receive uh, responses for, through those uh, uh, evaluation forms certainly are helpful as we continue to grow and refine um, the process. I think the other thing is, is it's okay if, um, if through the matchmaking process, we don't make a good match. <laughs> and, yeah. and our hope is that we don't hear after five months that the match wasn't good. So our hope is, A, that we do make a good match, but if we don't, the hope is that we have feedback uh, sooner rather than later that maybe the, the relationship is not quite what uh, someone expected, uh, perhaps in that first month or with you know the first week, I don't know. But yeah. the, the hope is that, that we don't wait to hear after five months that the relationship was not uh, what was expected. I think you raise a, a very important point. Oftentimes when folks go into organizations and we have these mentoring program orientation or what have you, there's a feeling that they can't really, if it's not working out for them, they can't really uh, emote that. You know, again, they can't share that because, oh, well, this is a new job. You know, I'm, you know, I don't want to get in trouble already and things like that. And I think it's for any healthy organization, you know what I mean? You have to give feedback. It's like, it's just like, you know, you go stay at the Four Seasons and they ask you, uh, if we're not a nine, we need to know why, you know, any score below nine, we need to know why. And they proactively want to do something to ensure that, uh, you know, the customer experience uh, is, is, is superb. And, uh, you know, one of the upcoming podcasts that I have, I'm talking to a gentleman who spent 30 years in the hospitality industry and talk about how in hospitality, it's all about customer service and the importance of feedback in informing the way they move about in all aspects of the organization. And when we're talking, you know, uh, I, I could really see the parallels between that industry, what they do, how to respond to folks and uh, who are their customers and what we could be doing, uh, you know, with, within advancement as we're bringing people in, because it's not just about the donors that we, we're serving, uh, it's about the people that serve the donors. And without those people having that well-rounded, uh, you know, onboarding experience, uh, experience in embedding yourself with an institution, then we got problems. And I, and I contend that's why there's a lot of movement of people every two yeah. years. Somebody's going here and there is because, you know, the kind of things that, uh, you know, you all are doing are the kind of things that are 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 missing in many places. So. I, I commend you for that. Now, one of the things that, too that you all are doing that I thought was really interesting is uh, you know your your new program with uh, uh, you know remote based, uh, regionally based uh, uh, fundraising professionals. And so, in the industry right now, everybody's struggling to figure out how this for this remote thing. And so, as you are bringing in. Um, these um, new development professionals that are not based at the mothership. Um, what are some of the things that you foresee being able to do to ensure that they have that experience that you talked about uh, as being part of Duke and Duke Health and, and, and the entire uh, alumni and development uh, operation? Because as you know, somebody living in Seattle, Washington, who doesn't really spend time at the mothership 
doesn't really feel what it's like to be there, to be part of yeah. that culture on, on campus. You know, it's a very different experience. And so I'm, ve I'm very curious about your thoughts around that, because frankly, I've not heard a single person in our industry has come up with a good plan <laughs> on how they plan on keeping people in the fold, to, so to speak, uh, yeah. so that they don't burn out. They don't feel like mercenaries. I'm just here representing this institution. I'm just going to raise the money. I don't care what happens. Yeah, it's 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 quite a conundrum, uh, indeed. Um, so I, I think it it goes back to what we discussed earlier about intentionality, right? And so right. we have to be thoughtful about how we can continually be intentional about engaging uh, those who perhaps do not live uh, in the community where our employer is. So Duke University is, is based in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, but we have fundraisers on, on, uh, within our team who work in Texas, who work in California. Um, and how do we keep those colleagues engaged? And I think part of that is uh, making sure that they do come back uh, to, to campus, uh, or as you put it, to the mothership um, to, to, to get that sense of community. Um, uh, we in this season of, of hybrid work environment, we, are, uh, we have in-person meetings, um, uh, team meetings on, uh, at least within my team on a quarterly basis. So making sure that those who don't live uh, in, in North Carolina make it back at least once a quarter to be in person, spend some in-person time with colleagues. And I think as it relates to, um, you know, the mentorship program, the beautiful thing about it is we can have these, we can have virtual coffees, right? We can have virtual yeah. lunches. Um, and so I, I think that um, the mentoring program or the, the mentorship effort will continue regardless of borders. Um, but there has to be a level of intentionality to uh, continue to uh, make sure people are connected to the mission um, and, and not lose sight of that, because after all, that is why we do what we do is because we believe in uh, a mission. And, um, and that's what keeps us going every day. And we no, certainly don't want to lose sight of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You couldn't have stated better. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's about the mission and it's about getting people that believe in the mission of what you're doing and that buy into it. And, uh, you know, it's my experience. If somebody believes uh, in the organization, regardless of where they are, they're going to be intentional about connecting with that organization, you know, frequently being on campus and, 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 uh, and connecting with folks, working with faculty, because uh, again, at the end of the day, you're not going to be successful just by, by being out there. You know, it's those relationships uh, with faculty that are going to be helpful in pointing you the right direction and say, hey, here's a referral. So-and-so I'm working with on this research project. Yeah. That is a great prospect. Why don't you go ahead and follow up with that? So uh, I, I completely agree. So let's uh, shift a little bit here. I want to go to you personally and, uh, and, and ask you a, a few things that you can share, because I think uh, you, have a, you have a wonderful story that can be helpful here to folks. So as we... Um, Think about your personal journey and all the things you've gone through. What role has mentorship played in your career growth? 
Well, I think it's 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 played a a, a very large uh, role in my trajectory professionally. Um, you know, when I think about being a mentee, um, I, I think that through the years it has helped me with my self confidence, self awareness. Um, it's helped me with developing strong communication skills. It's helped me in in growing my own personal network. Um, as, as well. And as a mentor, um, it, it has helped uh, when I think about the, the pride that I've um, had helping others, um, transferring professional knowledge that I've gained, and, and again, demonstrating leadership skills. But when I think about my entry point into this profession, um, it, it absolutely is connected to a mentor uh, mentee relationship that I had with administrators um, within my alma mater who saw something in me. And um, um, I think about when I was a junior in college and um, one of the administrators who I was fortunate enough to uh, get to know was the vice president for institutional advancement at my alma mater, Middle Tennessee State University. And uh, she asked me what I wanted to do uh, with uh, my career. And I, I was majoring in broadcasting at the time and realized mm -hmm. I did not want to pursue that. And um, I said, but I enjoy um, shaping and developing messages and communicating to people. Yeah. And she said, come with me. And she literally grabbed me by the hand and walked me down the hall um, opened up the door to the news and public affairs office and told the director, director, this is Stephen Barnes. He's going to be working in your office. And that is incredible. And it was, that's, that was really my, the beginning of my love affair with higher education. Um, and, and in the news and public affairs office, think about what they do. They craft messages for external constituents and audiences. Right. right? Yeah. And, um, and so that that really was that was um, interest that was so pivotal I think in my development um, and uh, I maintained that relationship for for years. Um, the other important I think relationship that I had was with the president of the institution at the time, who um, was uh, also a fraternity brother of mine um, of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, and he. Um, asked me about roles within higher education. And he said, Stephen, are you, do you, could you see yourself working uh, as a faculty member? And I said, no. And he said, <laughs> yeah. what about student affairs? And I said, absolutely not. You know, and he said, well, have you ever thought about development? And that was, you know, one of the first times I'd heard that phrase. And I said, tell me more about that. And he said, well, it's sort of like working with alumni and friends, but you asked them for money. And he said, would you have a problem asking people for money? And I said, no, not at all. And, and so he really, uh, you know, from his role as a, as a president, you know, had this, had this really wide scope of how institutions of higher education worked. And I think through his guidance and his vision, um, that that really uh, resonated with me that he um, saw that perhaps the skill set that I had could be 
helpful in uh, the field of, of development and, and uh, institutional advancement. Um, so again, early on, early, early on, um, having those two um, individuals, higher education administrators, executives, um, again, who did not have to pay me any attention as a student and a very young professional, um, but but took the time to to be curious about me and be curious yes. about uh, my my skills and my interests, and helped sort of show me doors and uh, and 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 inspired me to pursue uh, opportunities that I never even imagined. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, your, your broadcasting background. Guess who else was a broadcasting major? Yours truly. All right. And, I knew and I, 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 Yeah. And I remember uh, years ago when I was uh, graduating from University of Nebraska and uh, I was looking at some opportunities, put together my, my, my resume tape. And the first job that was rearing its, its eyes, uh, its head, was in a small town called Montrose, Colorado. Uh, you know, to be a, a weekly anchor, no, weekly reporter and weekend anchor. Great gig, you know, it's it's one of those one person band kind of jobs. Oh, yeah. And uh, the paycheck was a grand sum of $22,000 a year. I mean, literally a bartender <laughs> in a college town is making more than that. <laughs> and I, I remember looking at that and said, you know, I, I enjoy uh, what broadcasting has taught us and how to be inquisitive and how to think critically and analyze things. And this is not going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do not have, I do not come from a fam family with a trust fund that will enable me to, uh, to, to pursue my dream, but now I get to do that as a podcaster years later. And I don't Absolutely. have to, I, I don't have to, uh, to deal with that. So as a black professional, how were you able to grow your career in this field where there are very few people of color in leadership? I mean, it's, you know, it is, in, to me, it's insane how, you know, here we are yeah. going into 2023 and I can count every vice president and AVP of development in the country. I can count all of them that are black and that are minorities. And so um, I'm always curious about you know, the journeys that we take as individuals, because mine has been very different from yours. And so maybe you could share a little bit about how you've been able to grow in, in, uh, in that direction. Yeah, you know, and one of the things we always talk about within our profession is the importance of relationships, right? And um, so when I think about uh, my journey, I think about the impact that a mentorship relationships have had um, but when you think about um, advancing professionally, it, it, it takes having good mentors and uh, it also takes having good advocates and it also takes having good sponsors. And I have been very fortunate um, to have good mentors, advocates, and sponsors. And I think, you know, uh, and also along the way, uh, those relationships can only get you so far. I mean, so at some point you have to produce, right? And um, Amen. Uh, particularly if you don't have 
as you stated earlier, the trust fund or the family connection, or uh, uh, you've got to produce at a high level. Um, and so I have been very thoughtful about producing at a high level. And, um, uh, but I, I, I think, you know, the mentor, the advocate only gets you so far. The uh, producing at a high level takes you a little bit further. But Kim, what I've noticed, and when I think about um, my professional trajectory, it's been having the sponsor who, who helps you to, to really that next level. And the sponsor is, uh, well, let me back up a bit and say the mentor may show you the pathway. The advocate is sort of on the sideline of the path saying, go, Stephen, go. Yes. But, but the sponsor is the one who's um, opening the door. Right. You're, you're on the path. You've got the cheerleaders on the side. But that that sponsor is the one who's at the end of the hallway opening the door for you and making sure that you don't hit your head going through or that you don't yes. trip over the the, uh, the 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 doorway. So um, that that is that's important to find the sponsor. And I um, uh, that the sponsor is the one who says, you know what, we want to invest in this person. Yes, we want to make sure that this person gets executive coaching. We want to make sure that this person has the tools and resources they need to be successful. We want to put them in positions of uh, of leadership. We want to allow them to. We want to give them the space to lead, innovate, and create. Yes, and and so um, unless you have someone who. Um, is a sponsor who are, who is doing those things, it will be hard for you to really um, continue to, you, you will hit a ceiling. You will hit a ceiling unless you have that sponsor, some, some, some part of your journey to help uh, with some of those areas that I've talked about. And yeah, I've been I, fortunate I, to have it. Right on. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, you know, your talent is about as good as it gets. You know what I mean? It's like, you can have, you can be, I was talking yesterday to a group of folks and I said, there are thousands of people out there that have great development experience, okay? But there's only one you. And so your ability to be the you that a Stephen Barnes can believe in and say, I want to see him successful is what's going to take you to the next level. It's not so much about, you know, uh, I'm a great fundraiser, I'm this and that. Because as you know, I mean, the uh, the higher up you go in an organization is not so much about I can raise money. I mean, you've already established, otherwise you wouldn't be there. It's about how how do I treat how human am I? How do I treat others? How do you know whether they're my subordinates, uh, uh, peers, or donors? And people can see that. I mean, I'm sure in your career you've had instances where uh, your donors that you're working with they loved you. They felt you're the best representative of the institution. And they'll go and tell your boss, Hey, Steven's got Steven better stay here. You better do whatever you can to keep him here because you know, he's a good representative of our institution. And that, that happens. And it happens because you're authentic and you've been able to form those meaningful relationships where other people speak for you and not you speak for you. I mean, right. 
right. the best situation when somebody else can say, hey, Stephen, you better hire Stephen. You know, I trust him. And I, was, I believe hiring him as an ethical person. He's going to make, make, make things happen. Let's get him. You know, and uh, and and so you you absolutely it is it is important to to follow the worthy advisor that you've provided. Yeah, I, and to your point, um, you know, having those individuals who can speak well of you when you're not in the room. Yes, that that is that's gold. And so I having people again um, who um, will show you the way, cheer you along the way. And then open the door for you um, down the road uh, is is critical to professional growth. Yeah. So as we think about uh, our black professionals, young black professionals, and and uh, you know you and I and many of our colleagues are all committed, all in, in creating pathways for African American professionals to be successful in our field. Um, and as we think about that. Uh, what would you advise uh, such professionals who are at different points in their careers uh, to, you know, what would you advise them to do in order to position themselves to realize successful careers? You have talked about the uh, final, you know, the sponsorship side of things and having that in one's life, but what other things that uh, you would recommend uh, for folks to, to consider? One of the things I often share with, with uh, young professionals is very simply to sit still. Mm -hmm. Sit still, stay in one place for a period of time to develop some measurable outcomes. You alluded earlier to the fact that particularly in our field, uh, there's high turnover. So every 18 to 24 months you see particularly young professionals um, transitioning because they're looking for that next gig to make a few extra thousand dollars and maybe get a, a, a title upgrade or what have you. But what I've found um, is when you're when you uh, commit to sitting still, staying at one place for a few years to show how you can move the needle, to show how you can be valuable to the organization. To, to be able to say, um, because I was here, I was able to grow the annual fund by 35%, or I was able to increase gifts at 100K um, plus by 45% over the past three years. That to me is how you set yourself apart from others, is to be able to show your worth. Um, when I look at resumes, for individuals who are who are pursuing opportunities, I look for measurable outcomes. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes on resumes, what people will do is they will list their job, their title, and they will list in bullet form their responsibilities. Yes. What I'm looking for is not what you did uh, as, as an everyday task, but how was the role better because you were there? Amen. And um, and so, I, I, when I think of, when I think back on opportunities that I pursued, some of the feedback that I've received has been, Stephen, we appreciate seeing on your resume, on your via, your CV, the measurable outcomes of your work. 
And, and so that would be the one piece of advice is to sit still and really focus on what you were hired to do. Look for growth opportunities. I'm not saying, you know, settle for, for uh, one particular position, but you want to be able to show staying power and longevity. Um, and uh, for me, at least, that has been a helpful ingredient to um, a successful recipe. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, you talk about longevity and we have this conversation all the time and about why people want to jump. And I think with the current generation and the, the future generation, uh, you know, the, in the next five years, the folks that are coming out of college, that are going to be part of our organizations. We as organizations need to realize that they operate at a completely different speed. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, you know, uh, I always say uh, uh, at times uh, they look for a, uh, a deploying a microwave solution in a crockpot world where, you know, <laughs> you got to, you know, you, things got to simmer. Things uh, have to take time to grow and perfect themselves. So knowing that that's reality, we'll be foolish not to adapt to that. So uh, I challenge us to think about the fact that who are we bringing in? And how are we providing them opportunity to grow from within, to have a sense of ownership in the projects that we give them? Because when I talk to you know uh, recent grads who are coming in, they're looking to make an, make an imprint because their generation where they want to say, I had this project, I did this, I did that. Hey, tweet, tweet, TikTok, that's what I did. And you know that's the reality. We can't, yeah. I mean, unless you want to sleep under a rock, that's who's coming into our workforce. And we, but we still have the model that we've had for eons. Well, it's going to take you 10 years to be director. Then after that, it's going to take you five years. And if your boss doesn't leave, then you're probably going to be, uh, you know, almost uh, retiring before you get an opportunity. That is so boring. People, they're looking at that and say, uh, well, if I was working at Google, I'll, I'll be I'll be an executive uh, by, by you know in that time frame. Why are you telling me that I got to do that? We don't do a good job of saying, well, I may not be able to promote you to this, so this may not happen. But guess what? You're with the organization. We're gonna do one, two, three, four, five things uh, to where you don't need to go anywhere. Why would you go? You love it here, and yeah. <laughs> we're providing you the opportunities to do the things you want to do. We're giving you the flexibility. Also, all all those kind of things. You know, it's, it's really. Uh, it, it's a, it's a different it's an interesting conversation to have. But you're right, longevity, making a mark, measurable outcomes, is the key to be able to uh, to succeed there. So yeah, yeah. I, I think the other thing I would add quickly, I know we're we're getting close on time here, is be willing to raise your hand. Be Amen. willing to raise your hand to say, "I'll do, I'll do it, I'll do it." I'll volunteer for that. And when you do that, it sends a couple of signals. It shows that you're a team player, mm -hmm. that you're invested into you're invested in the organization. It shows that you are um, willing not to not only to invest in the organization, but you're investing in yourself. Um, you know, what going back to, to mentoring, you know, our mentorship program is is the committee is based on volunteers is successful because of volunteers within our office who come together, who say, I'm interested in the culture within our office. I wanna support this. 
Um, so raise your hand and volunteer. Don't just um, show up every day um, and, and just put your head down. Uh, but, but, but come in every day and, and have your head on a swivel. Look around and see where else you can contribute to make a difference um, in advancing the mission of your organization. That is excellent. So as we wind, we wind down the program here, uh, let's get back to uh, the crux of our conversation today on our purposeful mentorship. Uh, two key takeaways from your, your program, your mentorship program that you would like to, uh, to leave folks with that to think about the whole idea of purposeful mentorship, the whole idea of ensuring that your, your entire organization is sort of uh, thinking of that investment as a positive thing for the future of the organization. Yeah, well, purposeful mentorship um, can only be meaningful if, if you have a plan. I think that is, that is so important. Um, just telling folks in your office, okay, you two, you're a mentor, you're a mentee, you guys go off and hopefully you learn from each other. That, that is not purposeful mentorship. Uh, right. Giving mentors, particularly the mentor, uh, tools um, um, and guidance on how to have a meaningful relationship uh, with the mentee certainly will, will create a purposeful program. Um, and I think secondly is um, intentionality um, in, in because all of this um, connects together to enhance the culture within your organization. So when you think about enhancing your culture, you have to be very thoughtful and intentional about all the different pieces that connect to uh, create uh, a sense of community and, and um, a meaningful mentor uh, program certainly is is a, an important piece to that. So, uh, being mindful of how this enhances the culture um, is another major takeaway. And I, I'm just grateful that we are uh, part of a strong community uh, within Duke Health Development Alumni Affairs, and I'm grateful that we have these offerings for the the people that we are focused on within our organization. Well, thank you so much for that, uh, for the words. And uh, again, I'm very appreciative of the work that, you know, your colleagues before you and the, and the colleagues that you have are doing over there because uh, some of the people that mean the most to me have benefited from the generosity of Duke alumni that has changed their lives. So from a personal perspective, uh, I'm appreciative uh, of that. Well, folks, uh, there you have it. Another great episode of uh, Mentorship Matters. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters, and uh, we'll see you soon.